This is the Thursday, December 30th edition of the Daily Wager Podcast. We've got you covered with a variety of action for tonight. So settle in and we'll set you up in a little more than 10 minutes with everything you need to know heading into the betting day. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to the Daily Wager podcast presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. Tyler Fulgerman, Aaron Dolan with you on this Thursday Almost to the new year, Aaron, and I know your resolution yes. is just to uh, get healthy and uh, <laughs> get back on track. So I, I know it is. every day you're feeling a little bit better. Yes, no, that is definitely the goal. I can't even believe we've gone another year. I feel like they're starting to get faster and faster. <laughs> yes, it flew Scary. by 2021. <laughs> so uh, we'll see if 2022 goes at that hyper speed. Hopefully it's a, a year full of winners. Maybe we can get you off to a good start a couple of days before the new year rings in. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of which, it's college bowl season. Uh, we have a couple of games on the 30th. The one's already started by the time of this recording, South Carolina and North Carolina. Uh, so all day football uh, coverage in the collegiate ranks. Um, there was one game I wanted to mention before we look to the 31st. I know you're interested in the uh, college football semifinals, the Purdue Tennessee matchup, Tennessee, you know, when the, these lines open, they were like three, three and a half point favorite. They've jumped up to seven and a half. I think yesterday they were as low as five and a half. So a lot of steam on Tennessee and the prevailing sentiment and wisdom has been that, you know, Josh Heupel and this volunteers team starting to turn a corner. They're invested with the staff, with the players to use this as a piece of, um, you know, a building block for momentum going into 2022. Meanwhile, Purdue had a really great season this year, but uh, especially with their defense, they had some big upsets like uh, they always seem to. But a lot of those key defensive players and a lot of their uh, key players on offense as well have opted out to get ready for the NFL draft. So that's why a lot of people are hammering the Tennessee side. Um, you know, I, I got it when it was a much lower number. Um, seven and a half is not nearly as attractive. But uh, if you do have the gumption, if you do think that Purdue is really going to be uh, shorthanded, you hop on the Tennessee. It's either Tennessee or pass for me. Um, the total is a little interesting as well. Purdue was an under team all year long, and Tennessee likes to score. But again, with some of those pieces missing from Purdue's defense and Tennessee invested, a total of 65 and a half would have looked comically high for any Purdue game during the regular season. But the over may be, uh, may be something you can attack there. Um, and I think it's the Music City Bowl, which is in Nashville, Tennessee, by the way. So Tennessee should have a pronounced home field advantage. Uh, we'll also see Pitt and Michigan State go at it. Arizona State, Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin favored by seven in that matchup. Michigan State favored by three and a half against Pitt. Don't really have a lean in either of those games um, with side or total. But I know for the uh, college football semifinals, you want to discuss Cincinnati, Bama and Georgia, Michigan. So so what stands out to yeah. you about how you're kind of approaching those matchups? The reason I'm more so looking at these two is because there are so many bowl games and you have to really understand and know a team to be able to kind of get into the ins and outs right. of some of these other bowl games because these teams don't normally play each other. So it's kind of wild to be betting on those. And I, um, you know, applaud anybody who can really do that and be absolutely <laughs> profitable. But in terms of the Cotton Bowl, I'm rocking with Bama minus 13 and a half. Now, I know that 
you know, I don't like betting favorites, especially huge favorites. I just think this is really a JV versus varsity type of game. Alabama is Alabama. And, you know, they are facing the first group of five teams to even make the college football playoffs. So you just have a team like Alabama, who's elite, always known to be elite, especially this time of the year. So I just think for me, I'm definitely going to lay that big number with Bama. Now, as for Georgia, Michigan, I've seen so many people, basically an entire timeline of people saying, take Michigan plus seven and a half. And I get it because it has the hook. That totally makes sense. I'm going to stay away from the spread altogether. I actually was probably leaning the other way, Georgia minus seven and a half, but I'm going to play the under 45 and a half. Now, this is much lower than the total that's set for Bama Cincy, but I just think you have two of the best offensive lines in the country. They put up huge points. And I understand that Georgia, they're putting up 39 points on average, Michigan 38. When you look at these defenses, Georgia allows opponents just 10 points per game. I know we didn't see that type of performance for them when they played Alabama. They let Alabama have 41 points. And then, you know, the Michigan Wolverines were able to put up 42 over the Ohio State Buckeyes. But at the same time, I just think these teams haven't played in a couple of weeks. It's going to be a slow, methodical game, especially at the beginning of the game. These two teams really like to come out in the second half and explode. So I'm going to go under 45 and a half for that game. Yeah, as far as Bama and Cincy are concerned, um, I like Bama minus seven in the first half. I think Mm -hmm. if Bama is to, you know, show that difference in athlete and caliber of athlete between their team and Cincinnati, it it will more likely stun Cincinnati early and they'll get behind and try and regroup and, and, you know, figure out a way uh, with scheme and whatnot to, to negate that in the second half. The, I'm afraid to lay the 13 and a half because I do think Cincinnati is a good defensive team, especially at the, uh, on the perimeter with the cornerbacks, um, Kobe Bryant mm-hmm. and Sauce Gardner, two of the best in the nation. Um, and without John Mechie, the passing tree is a little more limited for Bryce Young. Um, but I do think Alabama, most of this season, came out early. And when Nick Saban has, again, three or four weeks to prepare, I think Alabama is going to jump on Cincinnati early. And then I think there'll be some adjustments made by Cincinnati that makes the game closer down the stretch. But I like Bama. If I play that uh, game, my official play is going to be Bama first half minus seven in the Georgia, Michigan game. Listen, I, I, I know I'm with the public, but I just, when I look at these two teams, I think Michigan's the better team. I think Michigan and Georgia are pretty much aligned in what they do. They Mm -hmm. run the football. They dominate the line of scrimmage. They play good defense. Georgia is phenomenal in the interior of their defensive line. And at linebacker, Michigan, phenomenal on the edges of their defensive line with the pass rushers, Aiden Hutchinson and Ojabo. So I look at these two two teams that have question marks at quarterback as well. um, And, you know, the, the strength of their offense is their running game. I just think Michigan executes that style better than Georgia. Michigan was 11-2 and two ATS this season, the best ATS record in FBS. They played a much, much more difficult Big Ten East schedule than Georgia did SEC East schedule. Like, what other team was legitimate in the SEC East? Florida? Nope. South Carolina? I know they're winning right now against North Carolina, but they're a 6-6 six and six team. Uh, Missouri? Hell no. Vanderbilt? Kentucky started out looking like they'd be good, but they faded down the stretch like – there was not good competition that Georgia beat up on all year long in the SEC East. Meanwhile, in the Big Ten East, Michigan had Ohio State. They had Michigan State. They had Penn State. That was much more significant competition that they built their college football playoff resume on than Georgia. I like Michigan so much that I may just you know screw the seven and a half, and I might just try and get a big score, play the plus 240 on the money line. I really think they win this game. I just think they're better 
at doing what Georgia did all season long. I know Georgia was the number one team in the country all season, but again, I think that was valued by the fact that they beat an awful Clemson team this year, especially at the beginning of the season that we thought was going to be one of the better teams in the country. And then that kind of valued them through a, an undefeated SEC East schedule, which of course they went undefeated against that competition. So I really think there's kind of like a little bit of um, inflation in Georgia this season. And I really do think that Alabama kind of put them closer to where they actually are. Now, I don't think that Michigan's as good as Alabama, but I think Michigan is closer to Alabama than the rest of the teams that Georgia beat up on in the SEC East. So that's why my official play, I know it's public, is the seven and a half with Michigan. I know the books haven't moved it because they seem to be comfortable um, with that, with all that money going on Michigan and all those tickets going on Michigan. But I'm going to do, I may just say screw it and just take them on the money line because you know what's going to happen. Either Michigan's going to win a tight, close game or Georgia's going to blow them out. So yeah. uh, I may just play Michigan no in plus between. 240. Yeah, there's <laughs> going to be no in between. That's, that's my stance. I got a little carried away there. But when I look at Georgia, I just wonder, are they really as good as what their, um, uh, schedule and resume looked like for most of this season. We'll find out on Friday, that's for sure. Meanwhile, in the association, Aaron, we got four games on the slate. We have guys coming back from health and safety protocols, yeah. most notably Kevin Durant for the Brooklyn Nets. That's good news. Um, anything that stands out to you on the NBA card? All right, let's get into the NBA. Well, I feel like the first thing we should do is give your favorite player prop for the Bucks Magic because I have a comment on that. So do you want to rock with that one first? Just because I know well, that you'll want to say this. Oh, I didn't have a player prop for Bucks Magic. I had not a, player uh, prop. Sorry, sorry. The um, the, your yeah. favorite play, I should say. Yeah, yeah. My my favorite play. That's was a good the, one. Uh, yeah, the first half spread for the Bucks. I'm going to lay the nine for Milwaukee. The spread for the game, I think, is fourteen. Uh, first half spread, yeah. I think, is eight and a half, nine. I'll lay it with the Bucks. These two teams played in Orlando two nights ago. They're back in Orlando tonight with a day off yesterday. When they played two days ago, the Score after the first half was what, 72 to 45 in favor of Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Orlando is ravaged mm-hmm. by players in the health and safety protocols and the Bucks are healthy. They have all their guys pretty much. And there's just a vastly superior team. So the back door might be open, but for those first 30 minutes, <laughs> yeah. I think the Bucks put it on the magic just like they did on Tuesday. Yeah, and Orlando's lost 10 straight, and these two teams have met three times. And like you mentioned, they jumped out to that big lead in the first half last game. But before that, on November 22nd, they had a 77-36 to lead. So they've been (laughs) able to cover this very easily. Milwaukee's also great against um, the spread in the first half. They're 22-14. and That's the second best in the league behind the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are covering the first half spread at an absolutely insane rate. But for Orlando, something positive – Franz Wagner, he scored in double figures in 17 consecutive games following a scoreless performance against Milwaukee, and he dropped 38 at home on Tuesday. His player prop right now is 19 and a half. So if you're looking to take something positive uh, for Atlanta, or excuse not Atlanta, excuse me, Orlando, then you might want to be playing over for his prop there. Also, the Bucs team totaled at 116 and a half. They should Mm -hmm. be able to get over this considering they put 127 points on the board on Tuesday, again, like you said, a lot of their players are healthy. I mean, basically everybody's back. So wouldn't be surprised if they were able to hit over on that as well. Now, as for Philly, Brooklyn, I am looking at Joel Embiid's player prop at 26 and a half. He's been spectacular for the Philadelphia 76ers. I know Doc Rivers just went into health and safety protocols, but nonetheless, if anybody's going to be doing it for the Philadelphia 76ers against his Brooklyn Nets team, it's going to be Joel Embiid. Um, he's, like I mentioned, been great, scored 32 points in Brooklyn in a game where the Sixers erased a 20-point deficit in their last uh, game. They were, they did lose that once 
114 to 105 and James Harden wasn't in that game. So it kind of scares me in terms of playing the spread. The Nets should be able to blow this team out, unfortunately, for my Philadelphia 76ers. But, um, you know, they've Sixers have won last three games on the road, but they haven't played a team like the Brooklyn Nets. So I wouldn't be surprised if um, Brooklyn was able to easily beat this team. Just I think indeed could hit over 26 and a half points there. Yeah, they'll definitely need him to uh, to be, you know, an MVP caliber player to um, step up against this Brooklyn team. And that particular matchup, I'm looking at unders. First quarter, 56 and a half. First half, 113 and a mm-hmm. half. Game is 221 and a half. Um, Embiid and the Sixers obviously run at a, a slow pace. They're tied for 29th in pace in the NBA. Brooklyn likes to speed it up a little bit, but Durant's now coming out of the protocol. So we'll, you know, he, I, I just don't know if Brooklyn is going to want or need to play at a breakneck pace against this Philadelphia team. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I think when I do play that game, it's going to be one of those unders, either the game, the first half or the first quarter. I'll try and find a, a trend that gives me the comp- most confidence in one of them. But I, I think this is going to be an under game with these two teams you know Brooklyn being obviously very good and getting Durant back and uh he can operate in the half court and slow the game down and then obviously that's what Embiid wants to do they're not a transition team Philadelphia but uh I, I don't know how the absence of Doc would affect pace for Philadelphia again I just mm-hmm. have a feeling 221 and a half seems a little bit high I think that yeah that's the highest on the board here and Philadelphia has the what second or third highest under rate in the NBA for sorry fourth highest under rate in that the total NBA does look this, high 221 yeah, looks really high for a Philadelphia high. Team. Yeah, and even Brooklyn is under you know they cash more unders than than overs they're 17 and 15 to the under it's not you know crazy but Philadelphia is 2013 and one to the under so this just seems like an under matchup for me especially given the circumstances surrounding Durant coming off of health and safety protocols and may not have his full conditioning back up to health and then Embiid going to be the focal point of Philadelphia's chances of winning and he operates in the half court he's not a transition player um Cleveland uh they're the best ATS team in the NBA they are catching three and a half points in Washington big reason why a lot of guys hurt or on health and safety protocols they just lost Ricky Rubio for the season which sucks because Rubio was having the best season of his career and he was a big piece of Cleveland being the best ATS team um, it's either Cleveland or pass. I still think there's enough good players there. Um, Evan Mobley, Kevin Love, um, Isaac Okoro, um, that uh, they can beat a Washington team. We'll see if uh, Brad Beal is available. I don't know if he played in the last game for Washington. If he's available, then it may be the pass for me. But if Beal is out again, uh, I would grab the three and a half points with Cleveland and just keep riding them until uh, we see a trend of them maybe uh, falling off without some of these guys like Ricky Rubio. Yeah. Then the final game is uh, Golden State and Denver. I'm going to go under. Mm-hmm. It's it's dropping right now. It was 214 and a half. It's now 213 and a half. These two teams, again, played on Tuesday like we saw with um, Orlando and Milwaukee and the game featured 175 points total. Uh, that, <laughs> yeah, game, that, that game was so low scoring, wildly low scoring. And again, Jokic is a guy who wants to operate in the half court. Draymond green yep. is out still for golden state. And even though that hurts their defense, the system is still very good. I just don't see that being a fast paced game. I see it being a half court game where Curry and Jokic, the MVPs, just try and figure out who's going to score more and, and trade buckets. So Basically. again, I would play the under there or pass in Golden State, Denver. It's at two thirteen and a half right now. As our friend Anita Marks would say, "Run, don't walk uh, to the window <laughs> for that one." All right, that's uh, a look at the NBA. Anything else worth touching on, or uh, we out of here? Aaron? Last thing, just quickly, I'm going to take Jokic points plus rebounds. It's 40 and a half. He had 40 last game against the Warriors, but he flew over this number in the previous two games. Like you mentioned, I don't expect a ton of 
points and them to be hitting a ton of overs. We see this total still sitting pretty low. And uh, considering that, you know, Golden State led by 24 at halftime and scored just 29 points in the second half, uh, that's pretty crazy. Uh, so I just think that I'm going to go with one of the stars like Jokic yeah. and kind of hit that over points and rebounds, 40 and a half. Yeah, I, I definitely think, again, Jokic and Curry are going to be the focal point of all the uh, usage and scoring. I loved your Franz Wagner uh, over as well because he's going to be the focal point of their offense with all the bodies missing. And since he's a rookie, even if it is a blowout, he'll still get minutes. They, they need the minutes mm -hmm. because that's all that's healthy. And uh, as a rookie, they want him to develop. So he's kind of game script proof, whether it's a blowout or a close mm -hmm. game, he'll be getting his minutes and he'll be getting the usage and be the focal point of the offense for the magic. All right, good stuff, Aaron. That's it for today. A little more than 10 minutes of the bets you need as promised college football gridiron and the NBA hardwood. Please do us a favor and don't forget to rate review and follow. If you're enjoying the show, it helps us out tremendously and we will uh, catch you again early 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on ESPN two for daily wager uh, and check you tomorrow on the daily wager podcast. Mm -hmm.